Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Scroobius Pip and this is the Distraction Pieces Podcast episode number to be determined at a later date. Let me tell you what's going on here. Um, I'm sitting in my Airbnb in LA at the moment. I'm out here for a podcast which might have already come out, um, but it might not have. And a few other bits, some meetings and stuff. Um, but at the moment, because of a million things, I'm, I'm tight on time when it comes to recording podcasts. While I'm in LA, I'm trying to record two or three, but as ever, they're dependent on people's sh- schedules. Um, and when I get back, I'm shooting a film up north, and that's taking up a bit of time. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Um, so, as it's been almost three years and I've never missed a Wednesday, I thought, while I'm sitting here in LA, I've got one, fr- I've got one Friday... I've got my only Friday night. A lot of you will know I'm not I'm not very sociable and I'm quite boring. So I decided that I'm going to spend my only Friday night just recording a little a bonus a, a, a backup podcast, I guess, for you guys to give me that bit of lean lean room if um, if I can't get any podcast in while I'm filming or whatever else. So um, and what I decided to do. I was thinking about this, I was planning this a little bit because I'd had one evening free on my schedule like when I was planning my trip and I thought I might just record a little thing if I get time. A lot of people ask me if I'm going to... Obviously, I'm off from touring music. A lot of people ask if I'm going to do any spoken word gigs and I'm not, I've got no plans to. Um haven't done any in two years, any gigs at all and I don't plan to do any until I've got some new material because... I toured all the old material for 10 years and I don't particularly have any desire to charge people again for more of the same performances of the same things. But what I decided I could do was do a little spoken word gig for you um, on the podcast in my Airbnb, in my living room in LA. I'm literally overlooking the the walk of stars and uh, I can kind of, can I say the Hollywood sign out the window? got the blinds down and they're kind of half see-through um i can see hills i can, can certainly s- s- see the hollywood hills yeah so i thought i'd do that um i'll explain more quickly i should mention in fact no i'll explain now um i decided i'd do this but i haven't done any gigs in ages so i can't remember half of my stuff so i thought an easy way to choose what to do would be to grab a copy of my my, my poetry and emotion book which is a graphic novel of poems I put out in 2010, I think, or 2008 or 9, hang on, I've got it in front of me, it should say. No, it doesn't appear to say. Um, boom, boom, boom. Hang on, this is good, this is podcast gold. In 2010, March 2010, seven years ago. What a time. Um, yeah, so I put out this book, which is, there's signed copies available from speechdevelopmentrecords.com, which is the uh, sponsor one of the evergreen sponsors of the podcast always the sponsor um the idea of doing this spoken word thing was inspired by the at home with polar bear album and the at home with rob alton album both of which are available at speech of development records where i got the lads two of my favorite spoken word artists to, to sit down and just record you know a set in their living room and they did so that's what this is going to be so it's going to be reading for from my poetry and emotion book and I'll tell a few stories and uh, 
and talk about um, each piece and things like that. So hopefully you'll enjoy that. All right, let's hit the hit the theme tune. Right, so, um, yeah, I should, I'll give a little information. I mean, this isn't an advert for the book. There's not that, are that, are that many uh, left in the web store, I don't think, anyway. So, um, but I did this book in 2000, it came out in 2010. I was working on it from like 2006 or 2007, or maybe 2007, 2008. And I worked with a load of different artists who were just fans, like n- non-professional, just people who were up for being involved in this project. And they all, a load of people, like I met them through MySpace and Facebook and all that, and a load submitted their graphic interpretations or comic book interpretations of of some of my poems. And the only rule was that the text is there in the correct order. And yeah, it was overwhelming. And I got to release it with um, Titan, who did some of my favourite comic books of all time. So it was amazing to to do that. And yeah, I mean, the response was overwhelming. Just tons of people up for being involved. And again, it was, it was one of them projects where I couldn't offer anyone, anyone any, any money. You know, at the time, it was just, I want to make this. I don't know if a publisher will be interested. Who's up for it? And yeah, it got tons of amazing submissions. And then it got accepted. And when I got my, my kind of um, advance... I got an advance, a publishing deal, advance thing. I, spl- I spl- split that between all the artists, and it was kind of, it was kind of a nice surprise. Hit. Look, we did earn some money. How pleasant! And the one that struck me the most is the opening one in the book. It blew me away because the artist just did this amazing. It's a graphic novel. It's it's, it's stunning, and it, it wasn't until I'd sent us some of the drafts to my boy um, Stu, who produces Hardcore Listing. Um, he's a producer called. 76 um and he was like oh right is he a local lad and i was like no because he's i think he was from canada and it steward noticed in one of the cells he's drawn literally my town center in stanfordly hope so he's gone on, on google earth and looked it up and found it and drawn it like there's there's literally a picture of my opticians um yeah so it was amazing but yeah it was for a piece called a thousand words which also was the first piece that kind of got me a lot of attention and love it's it's one of the first bits that i remember family members being like man that's 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 all right like you're you're decent at this and it's kind of a true story it's a warped and deviated true story of uh of how i got my stutter and everything after that um and it's, it happens to be exactly a thousand words long, so feel free to count along. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. It'll, it'll ruin it completely. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll start the first one. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. So with these thousand words, I'll paint a picture in your mind that breaks the rule of thirds. Let's go right back to the start. What better way to begin before too much of the corruption, the temptation and sin. Before the gloss was taken off, back to sand castles and grins. Before the world we are living in became riddled with Ritalin. I had a very normal birth. No wise men 
dead attend. Born into my family as son, brother and friend. I had a normal start to life with a very normal infancy and over the years many events did influence me but there's one that stands out now with a special place in my mind and the more times I think back the more new memories I find. When I was four years old, out in France, I almost died. A wave swept up to the shore and took me back for the ride. And in that moment of fear I gazed below normal tide and that's when the depths of the ocean showed what was really inside. I saw a man sat just below the surface on a rock and his wisdom-filled gaze withdrew panic and shock and unlocked an inner calm that let me float down to his depths without any flailing, shaking arms or panic-filled breaths. I'd swear we sat for hours before words were introduced, just relaxing in a world below fights and abuse, below the weapons of war, below the cars and the ships, and when he felt I understood, he slowly parted his lips. The pen is far mightier than the sword, he said, as he stabbed his pen in my leg and the ink mixed with the red. With this action, I inject the gift of knowledge instead, of all the other cluttered thoughts that will clog up your head. But if at any point you take the spoken word just for granted, these words will stick in your mouth and fall out broken and parted. It didn't hurt for some reason but I could feel a change inside. But I hadn't really understood what his words had implied. I thought I'd wait for his next words with my mind open wide, and with the guidelines he gave me, I would try to abide. Again, much time passed with silence being the topic, but the serenity was such bliss I had no words that could stop it. Then after what seemed like a lifetime had passed, he stopped and looked right through me like I was made up of glass. And at that very moment, I was grabbed from this landscape. As I left this wise old figure, I quickly prompted a handshake. And I was carried back to shore. My life saved by my own dad. With no memory at the time of the experience I'd just had. And so I went on with my life. These things locked up in my brain. Grew up no different from the rest, everything just stayed the same until one day I realised that sometimes my own speech was erratic. Like the needle on my record would get all caught up and static. And at school, this affliction didn't make things too easy. An easy target, so the kids would sometimes laugh at and tease me. I guess there's no denying this made me stand out from the rest, but that kind of thing has never fazed me. I just took it in jest. Sure, the broken stammers of a youth can bring some attention, but the sympathy of a teacher can get you out of detention. And this continued until I reached a certain age until I started to thrive for knowledge from every word and every page. All of a sudden, the words would just flow off of my tongue. And when I got bored of how one sounded, I'd just learn a new one. I started listening to all these people who showed great use of each word, feeling the buzz with every single line from Gil that I heard. The way he manipulated language and really made it develop, as he told another story from 125th Street and Lennox, and Mr Mojo Rising, the American poet had enraptured my mind with words and would never know it. I would just sit in my room for hours, listening out to every underlying meaning in the words he would shout. And then I'd put on the specials to hear their social commentary. You couldn't help but get drawn in, sometimes even involuntary, and the way that Rakim would take my mind on a journey to kind of lifestyle and scene that never used to concern me. A completely different world to the one that I lived in but I could connect to the language and the passion within him. 
So I started to write, inspired by those here before me. I'd found an outlet for my thoughts, a way of telling my story. So I wrote and I wrote until I felt it was time to put some of this stuff on tape and then I started to rhyme. And once I started climbing, I knew there was no way I could slip. And that was the one true birth of this here Scroobius Pip. The one with the leather ties and weathered eyes. Whose 37 clever lines left 37 severed minds. The one that speaks but never lies and sometimes fails but always tries. The more he writes, the more he finds it pays to bleed between the lines. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. So with these thousand words... I'll paint a picture in your mind that breaks the rule of thirds. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. So with these thousand words, I'll paint you one big picture in your mind that breaks the rule of thirds. There you go. That's a thousand words long. Um, It's just occurred to me that a lot of you who listen to the podcast only know about my podcast and don't give a shit about any of my music or spoken word or any of that. So feel free to kind of skip this episode if that's the case because it feels like i'm now i'm 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 forcing you like you've come around my house to 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 hang out and i've gone i'm just going to quickly read um some of my poetry for you um i don't know if you're into that but um tough so yeah apologies if it's not your thing but yeah that was that was a fun one to write and it meant a lot i've said it, it before but that was one that the first night I think it was the first night Adele had joined MySpace and put a song called Daydreamer up that blew my mind. I was was messaging her about how amazing that Daydreamer was and Hometown Glory, and she was was really into a thousand words. So we had this this, this wonderful evening of back and forth on MySpace messages. Um, next in the book is one. It's actually it's 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 the lyrics from a song called Astronaut that I made with a guy called Yilla. And it was completely spawned by his beat. He made a beat and he had a sample on it that was a kid saying, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. So I wrote off the back of that. And the basic idea of it was how weird it is that when we're kids, when we're asked what we want to be when we grow up, it's always based around a job rather than anything else, as if the job is the sole definition of of your existence. Even even an astronaut, you know, that's a wonderful a wonderful ambition. But do you want to be? And I mean, I go into it in the piece. Let's just jump into it. I don't know if I've ever, ever done this as a spoken word piece. Obviously, I've I've done it as the song um, over the beat. Um, so yeah, let's go. See, the friends I made and I were different from the get go. In the school playground is where that shit starts to show. The other kids would play He-Man and G.I. Joe, but why I'd aspire to be G.I. Joe, I just didn't know. It was kind of clear by then there was a strangeness within us. We were more like, you be Charles Mingus, I'll be Sticky Fingers. I was a schoolboy standing in the schoolboy stands. Hurry up and give me some space to grow so I can try to advance. Now, just because I did not become an astronaut, it doesn't mean that I have failed. No, 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 not at all. It simply means that the ambitions of a kid at school can be restricted and a little one-dimensional. See, we are encouraged to pick a job in which we seek success instead of thinking about what we really need for happiness. So our goal becomes that job title and anything less is deemed a failure and to me that is quite hard to digest. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. 
Everything other than that is an afterthought. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut with a lot of good friends and a family to support. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut with no friends other than the TV I bought. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, married to the girl throughout my teens I had sought. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, selling drugs on the side and not getting caught. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, living out my life in a familiar haunt. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut, drained of all my life, feeling tired and gaunt. When I grow up, I just want to roll from one experience to the next without having a goal. When I grow up, I just want to evolve into a person not defined just by their job or their role. When I grow up, I just want to roll from one experience to the next without having a goal. When I grow up, I just want to evolve into a person not defined just by their job or their role. Now, that's a weird one to read. That was astronaut or when I grow up. That's a weird one to read because, I don't know, you write stuff and then you kind of forget about it. I don't I, I listen to my own music particularly. It's not really something that I do in my casual, in my relaxing time. So you kind of forget about it. But it's weird because that, that's really true to my life and my outlook and beliefs. Um, this whole thing of drifting from music to podcasting to to act in all these other things it's always been been based on trying to just do stuff that seems that seems fun that seems interesting rather than oh i'm a musician that's what i'm you know i've got to do this so yeah interesting to read on to the next one now the next one is the only ever sexy song that i've written um it's not that as sexy but um dan sack was never comfortable with us performing this live because um it's a slow sexy spoken word type thing over a really chilled beat he made an amazing beat i think he made for a friend's dad's funeral but it was beautiful beat and when we performed it live i used to do a routine um inspired by or stolen from slava snow show and i'd hold a sign up saying that this who 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 this is a tribute to um i really enjoyed it but it's pretty weird it basically involved me getting a bit sexy with a coat and a hat. Like, not me wearing them, me getting s- sexy with them. Anyway, this is called Reading My Dreams. She's had such a long day and work has been stressful. She arrives home to me weary and restful. To relax her, I lead her to lay on the bed and remove all the clothes from her waist to her head. My thumbs gently knead the base of her back, and nails trace patterns not leaving a scratch. My hands plot a wandering route up her spine, and onto her shoulders to help her unwind. I pray the emotion is taking effect as I lay a kiss upon the nape of her neck. She rolls onto her back, her eyes squinted and dreamy, as I gaze at her smile and the beauty beneath me. I gently lean forward presenting a kiss onto the lips so long I have missed. When our eyes meet like this, it's just like before. We both instantly realise we need nothing more. I adjust to rest upon her sweet breast 
and on her torso more so. In each other's arms and with interlocked hands lay two smiling faces and one set of plans. There we go. It's a nice short one. In the uh, in the album version, which is, I think it was a hidden track, wasn't it, on Angles? Or was it just the last track? It might have just been the last track. No, I think it was a hidden track. I don't know. Yeah, it was a hidden track after after waiting for the beat to kick in. Yeah, um, I repeat every line twice, and it just worked with the um, the beat. I thought it was nice, but I always remember p- playing it to to Chris of Hardcore Listing, and his feedback was, I don't know why you say every line twice. And it's because it's a nice slow chilled thing, and I thought the repetition kind of gave it a nice pace, but all right, mate. I, I, I said it once this time, so chill out. Also, there's a line there. I adjust to press to... I just to rest upon her sweet breast and on her torso more so. Um, that's stolen from, or it's a tribute to, but it's, it's a line from a Vincent Oliver song. Um, and Vincent Oliver is a singer who was a friend of Dan's and then we all became friends, I hope. And yeah, I just thought it was one of the most beautiful lines. And at the time I was, I was writing this and I'd heard that and I was like, can I nick that line? And uh, yeah. He was okay with it. He's, he's credited for it in the uh, in the album sleeve. Right. The way this one's laid out is unusual, and it's kind of a heavy one. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to do it justice. I've not practised any of these. I've not done any... any. Uh, this is the first time I've said any spoken word stuff in like two to three years. Um, or any lyrics that aren't rapping along to other songs in my car. So yeah, interesting. This is a piece that I've probably had the most feedback for ever in my whole career. Um, And heavy feedback and emotional and important feedback. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was a big one. It was a a game changer for me um, and my kind of interaction with the fan base and other humans. Um, It's called Magician's Assistant. It's tragic. You tried to cut yourself in half, but this ain't magic. In fact, it's something far more dark and more dramatic. Self-harm, that's what they call it, because it just affects you. It's your life, your body, so you can choose what you do. And if one day you can't rein it in and of your last breath you are the only witness, then so be it, because it's your last breath. And it's nobody else's business. But then, how about your little sister? I mean, you think your life's been bad. And by no means am I belittling that, because I know the troubles you've had, but a teen finding out her big sister chose death over life. Finding out that instead of turning to her with your problems, you turn to a knife. That's a whole lot of pain to deal with, and a whole lot of damage. And the only role model she has now is little more than words engraved in granite, but as you said before, this just affects you. It's your life, your body, so you can choose what you do. And if one day you can't rein it in and of your last breath you are the only witness, then so be it, because it's your last breath and it's nobody else's business. But then, what about your parents? God knows they've done all they can to support. Yeah, you didn't grow up in a mansion, but they gave you the best life they could afford. And the second that last bit of life trickles out and your lungs cease to breathe... They've failed the most important task that they will ever receive. 
They have failed to give their child a life that's worth living. And that's a failure that as long as they live of themselves is unforgiving. But as you said before, this just affects you. It's your life, your body, so you can choose what you do. And if one day you can't rein it in and of your last breath you are the only witness, then so be it, because it's your last breath and it's nobody else's business. But then, how about your friends? How did they fail to see this coming? I mean, you can only hold so much pain and recently it feels like the tap's been left running. Families grow distant, but it's meant to be your friends you can rely on. They shouldn't just be there for fun and drinks. They should be your shoulder to cry on. They should be the ones you turn to when you can't talk to your family. But they have failed too, because although you never asked for it, their support should have been mandatory. But as you said before, this just affects you. It's your life, your body, so you can choose what you do. And if one day you can't rein it in and of your last breath you are the only witness, then so be it, because it's your last breath. And it's nobody else's business. But then... What about me? (laughs) What kind of boyfriend am I? Instead of living a life I was a big part of, you would rather die. Instead of fighting through together and turning things around, you decided the grass was green on the other side of the ground. Of our shared lives, there was nothing worth living for as far as you could see. So if that's the case for you... What is there left in this life for me? But as you said before, this just affects you. It's your life, your body, your sister, your parents, your friends and your partner so you can choose what you do. And if one day you can't rein it in and of your last breath you are the only witness, then fuck everybody else. Because that ain't something that you've got to live with. The magician's assistant. Too many problems to list them. Not enough people to listen. The magician's assistant. There we go. Man, that's a heavy one. I do apologise if that's kind of ruined your day a little bit. Um, Yeah, that was an important one. in 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 my life and an important one to perform live because it's not exactly a party tune but you know it's a it's a serious topic as you will know if you listen to this podcast suicide and death and stuff like that are things that i think we need to be more comfortable discussing and depression and all of that it should be a more open dialogue than we than we currently have so that was my take on it all back in 2006 Six, I think I wrote that. So yeah, it's bloody eleven years old now. Ten years old. It might have been two thousand and seven. But yeah, there we go. This next one, man, this is going to be an interesting one because I've not read this in years. I've never said it out loud. I don't think it was a. I used to post some poems on my MySpace page, or no, there was a. Mm, Lastwords dot com. I think it was called. It was a page. That, a website that you could post your own poems on. I wonder if that all exists still. Last words, Scroobius Pip, I had loads up there. Um, and this was one from there, and it's about my mate Jay, who now is coming up too much in the pop- podcast. Um, I mentioned him on the Ask Pip episode two a few weeks back, 
depending on when this comes out. Um, he's my mate who passed away. He took his own life when he was 21, when me and all my mates were around that age. Um, yeah. So, God, this is a few heavy ones in a row. So this is going to be odd because I've not read these words out loud or just on paper in, in yeah, in a long time. Let's see how this goes. It's called Ode to a B-Boy. Ode to a B-Boy. This might sound strange, and I never thought I'd say it, but it doesn't feel weird that you're not here anymore. Don't get me wrong, I still miss you loads, but it's been so long now that you not being here just feels normal, and the thought of you actually being here has become what feels strange. I just can't imagine it, you see. You were frozen forever the way you were. Same face, same style, same taste, same smile. But in the years gone by, it feels like I've changed so much. Would you even know me if we met again now? I mean, sure, you'd recognise me, but would it take a second look? Where have the baggy trousers gone and the metal nights in Romford? And what the hell is going on with this beard? And poetry, what's that all about? pretentious wanker I was the kid with the stutter you used to expand your mind with the kid that used to sit on the bus with you listening to Incubus and quoting clerks you were the schemer and I was your sidekick Hasselhoff the only other kid that knew about Cannibal Ox I like to think we would still know each other though despite the changes I mean You can't keep going to the same clubs forever. And let's face it, I was always a little on the pretentious side anyway. Change is just natural progression. For better or for worse. I don't mess with people's heads anymore. No more silly little mind games. I've learned how fragile the mind can be. There's a guilt there that will always sit deep with me. Remember that time when we were going to that club in Rayleigh, the usual pre-club gathering, at someone's house for drinks and whatever else was available? We used to try and freak each other out, and that night I decided to just stare at you for as long as I could. (laughs) Every time you looked round, I'd appear from somewhere staring. So Some people would only have the patience to keep that kind of rubbish up for half an hour or so, but not me. Not you and me. Uh, We could make stuff like that last the whole night. I know you found it amusing at the time. We both did. I remember. Uh, With hindsight, though, I wouldn't have bothered. I would have just grabbed a drink and proceeded to the dance floor. Let you win this one. But that's hindsight for you. And I'm not one to dwell on things these days. I don't feel bad that I've got used to you not being here. Time does that, I guess. There we go. It was an interesting one. I said I've not read that in uh, in years. Strange. Right, what, what time are we at? Half an hour. It's going to be a shortish episode, that's fine. I think I've got two more, maybe three more. This one's a long one. This is one that um, I've only performed a couple of times me and Dan Lassac never perform it live it was it was one of the most popular tracks on the album but it's really long and it's it's really rambly 
So let's have a go now. I might, might fuck it up. I mean, you saw that on the last one. I stumbled a few times. This is called Waiting for the Beat to Kick In. I was walking along through unfamiliar streets and it felt strange because there didn't seem to be anyone else around. I didn't know where I was, but it had the feel of New York, but not New York in real life, the New York you see in old films. I can't really explain why, but it just had that vibe. Every step I took felt somehow more dramatic. So I kept on walking and then down an alley behind a bar, sitting on some metal steps, I saw a man. From the look and smell of him, it was clear he enjoyed a drink, but he wasn't in a state... I felt him to be any kind of irrational threat, so I approached him. Ah, Mr. Pip, he said out loud. I've been awaiting you. My name is Elwood P. Dowd. Now, just what he meant by we, either just say I or we. Hang on, let me do that again. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> ah, Mr. Pip, he said out loud. We've been awaiting you. My name is Elwood P. Dowd. Now, just what he meant by we, I didn't really get, but all the same, I took a seat next to him on the step. He said, you'll meet a few people before this day is through who will administer advice and guidelines for you. Now, what each of us will say, I'll tell you now, is true. But whether or not you take this advice is for you to choose. At that point, he acted like someone had whispered in his ear, which, since no one else was there, seemed pretty damn weird. Awkwardly, I looked away and kind of played with my beard. He cleared his throat for a second and then said, Listen here. In this life, you can be oh so smart or oh so pleasant. For years I was smart, I recommend pleasant. Being smart can make you rich and bring respect and reverence, but the wards of being pleasant are far more incandescent. With this information, I was encouraged to walk on. I continued along through these empty streets thinking over what Elwood had said, but at the same time thinking how fucking weird this day had been so far. I was in my own little world when a hand was placed on my chest and a guy said, look out, there's some broken glass on the floor there. I looked up and he said, hi, pleased to meet you. My name is Lloyd Dobler. I'll get straight to the point, won't take too much time from you. I'm probably the youngest person you'll get advice from today and you may think a guy of my age wouldn't have anything to say but it's said to observation that old age brings wisdom and I observe every single life lesson I'm given. But I won't attempt to tell you how to love or how to be loved because you get a different genie each time that particular lantern is rubbed. But I will offer advice on dealing with life its ups and its downs, its troubles and its strife. Now, I'm sure you've had times when you're angry, or felt down and angry, when you've wanted to lash out, punch a wall and be manly, but the question I pose now will offer you a plan B, and maybe a bit of peace and quiet for your friends and family. How hard is it to decide to be in a good mood, and then just be in a good mood? That's all I have to say because it's a straight up fact. You control your emotions. It's as simple as that. He walked off then, leaving me to contemplate this brief encounter. I'd barely had time to 
realise I was being taught something before he was gone. On I walked and almost immediately spotted my next guide. It couldn't be clearer. This guy was standing on the street corner pacing up, up, up back and forth. Skinny looking guy, a leather jacket, tight jeans, retro look. I've rarely seen someone look quite so uncomfortable in their own skin, twitching, smoothing his hair back, kicking at the floor, or looking up and down the street. He clearly didn't enjoy waiting around, so I approached him quickly and put him out of his misery and let him start his spiel. Hi, my name is Billy Brown. I ain't going to give you some quote. Instead, I'm going to use some stuff that you wrote. I've always had the feeling I could never be the villain because the villain in the films was always backlit. Now I find it pleasing to defend myself with reason, but the clock is always sitting on my back. Tick, tick, tick. Then, no explosion, but persistence brings erosion. Like a picture that's been over, overly exposed and like a fox that's been run over in the road and road and road. Basically, what I'm trying to say to you is you don't achieve anything by letting the past world within you Getting all pent up and angry about this stuff just eats away inside you. What's the other line of yours? If you can't forgive and forget, how's this? Forget forgiving and just accept, then that's it. See, that's how it's got to be. Then you can fall in love, get on with your life and be free. Almost before he'd even finished that sentence, he was off down the road, hands in his pockets as he hurried away. Now... Quite accepting of the totally surreal time I was having, I rounded the corner and continued on to my next encounter. Resigned to the fact this was some kind of dream or hallucination, I made my way through the now dark streets to the one window that had a light on. I walked through the unlocked door, incidentally had blinds down and a silhouetted figure like a film noir scene, but sadly no sign saying private eye. As I entered... A tired voice promptly said, This journey's almost over. I'm the only one left. Allow me to introduce myself. My name's Walter Neff. The other guys have taught you things of great positive worth, but I'm afraid I'm here to bring you back down to earth. See, you can live your life in control and be nice, but even that will not promise you a happy life. You may like to think yourself in general to be a nice guy, but I'm telling you right now, that right here is a lie. Even the nicest of guys have some nasty within them. You don't have to be backlit to be the villain. Whether it be greed, lust, or just plain vindictiveness, there's a level of malevolence inside of all of us. So you can paint yourself an image and live in your own little dream. But this ain't a dream. This is one big silver screen. So when you've got your happy ending, don't forget it ain't over until you hear the sound of your end credits. So you'll be waiting for the beat to kick in, but it never does. Waiting for my feet to grow wings that lift me above. All of these tiresome things that we know and love. Waiting for the beat to kick in. But it never does. There we go. That was waiting for the beat to kick in. I fucked that up a couple of times. Um, that is a piece about the influence that films have had on me. Each person I met there is a character um, from a film and a 
character from a film that has genuinely taught me a life lesson and changed the way I think about things. So there we go. Um, I'm going to do two more. The next one in here is Thou Shall Always Kill. I'm not going to do that because I can't be asked. And it's got the Just a Band bit written in it, and that doesn't work as a spoken word piece. I never used to do that. But but Thou Shall Always, if you've not heard Thou Shall Always Kill, it's, it was the song that launched me and Dan and our most popular one, um, probably. But yeah, I'm, as 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 I'm at the at the at the forty minute mark, I'm just going to jump on and do two more because this next one is called Shamed. I don't wager I've never said it out loud. Um, it's one that I wrote, I think, specifically for the book, or maybe again to post on MySpace and on LastWords.com. Um, and I just I really enjoyed the artwork that the guy um, did did for this one. Um, it was all based on tattoos, and it's just the poem is being illustrated on one guy's um, arm tattoos. I'm shamed. I'm shamed by the life that I live. I'm shamed by the confused looks from kids. I'm shamed that at 16 I had a head full of plans. And at 36... I've got a bed full of cans. I'm shamed by the fact that sometimes I find humour in this instead of the perpetual shame that should exist. I'm shamed by the people that look at me and it ruins their day. I'm shamed by the people that notice me and choose to look away. I'm shamed by the kids last night that thought it would be fun to hit me with a football. And I'm shamed by the millions of people that don't notice me at all. I'm shamed because I couldn't hack a regular, a fairly regular life. I'm shamed because I couldn't handle the pressure of supporting my wife. I'm shamed because I haven't seen my son in years. I'm shamed because if he walked past me, I'd just hide away in tears. I'm shamed by the lack of shame I have when pushed to my limits. I'm shamed by the sleeping bag I call home and the possessions are within it. I'm shamed by every person that walks past me with their head held high. I'm shamed by every single bit of support I've denied because my pride wanted to hide the state in which I reside. And that is called shamed. Um, I'm just just reading it. Then I think I might have actually been commissioned to write that at some point for a um, a charity or an awareness thing. I can't remember. I shouldn't have mentioned that. That's not a very interesting st- story. It doesn't even go anywhere. Um, right, let's do one more. I wrote this originally on the back of till receipts whilst working in HMV. And we used to meet Stu, who's 76, also known as Flame Joel back in the day, and Mutt 3000 all used to write raps on the back of two receipts when it was quiet. And this was one that I wrote and turned into a song on my solo record, No Commercial Breaks, which is available from speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We've got a double disc version with a live spoken word album. I mean, you've just essentially got a live spoken word album for free here, shit. 
It's a bad one. But yeah, live one. In fact, I'm not that into that live one. The story there is I recorded a live spoken word album at the Royal Albert Hall. And then later on that year, I did that same show 19 times in a row at the Edinburgh Fringe. And by the end of the Fringe, it was a million times better. So my live DVD or digital download at the Edinburgh Fringe is better, in my opinion, than the live spoken word album. It's also cheaper, but I think it's the better of the two. But the No Commercial Break special edition that comes with a live um, spoken word album is a pop-up book CD. So you open it and it pops up. It's amazing. Anyway, what was I saying? I can't even remember where I was going with that. Yeah, it, it, that made its way onto I Know Commercial Breaks, my debut album. God. It's called Rat Race. It goes, Ah, shit. I'm back in the rat race again. And what's worse, most of these fucking rats are my friends. And worse still, I've lost my map, so I don't know where this shit ends. Ah, shit. I'm back in the rat race again. As I wake up with a previous night still ringing in my fragile head, Trying to piece together any shitty things I might have done, I might have said. I drag my lifeless carcass to his feet and out of bed and clock into another day. Another day within which I can look forward to the possibility that maybe today will be the day where something interrupts the never-ending list of mundane tasks that sit between me and the closing bracket of my drive home. Maybe today will be the day where something snaps as I think back and react to the distinct lack of impact in my shrink-wrapped life. Maybe today will be the day I tear down the foundations of my whole existence and start again, knee-deep in the rubble, rummaging for something I can use as a starting point to rebuild, something to jump off of. But then the future ain't what it used to be. And as the day's tasks reverberate around my dormant brain, I continue to greet another member of public with a perfect replica of what is known as a welcoming smile. I switch off all unnecessary facets and glide through the down cruise control, remembering what life was like before this role. And as I stare blankly from my till point, I start to tap my feet to the discreet beat the general public secrete. The footsteps, the breathing, that one baby screaming, the coughing and the heaving, those unruly kids out thieving, but... Before long, my creative nightmare is interrupted by the ever-watching eyes of my superiors. Because like a child spinning in circles just to make himself dizzy, my only real requirement in that place is to make sure I look busy. But I'm using that to my advantage, see. Because just as not every open eye is seeing, every closed eye is sleeping. So although they pay me for this painted by numbers shit, every thought I have I'm keeping. And remember, the same shit can taste pretty different if they season it right. So if you're going to sell out your beliefs, make sure your reasons are watertight. And as the chief worker bee tries his best to nurture me and searches deep to help me find the key that might just unlock and help me free the buried in a bourgeoisie that with time and effort I could someday be, securing a place of great integrity, rooted deep within the company's family tree, taking bullet point steps from A to Z, leaping over the boring parts like a corporate flea. I look at my supposed luminary and I simply don't agree. Hell, I'll sell my soul. I'm just waiting for an appropriate fee. Ain't no penny loafer wearing fuck gonna shortchange me. Scroobius PRP till I DRE. So fuck it. I'm back in the rat race again. But that's cool, because amongst these rats, I found some straight up true friends. And I've started drawing my own map. You ain't gonna believe where this shit ends. Ah, shit. I'm back in the rat race again. 
And that is Rat Race. And that piece was about the realisation that I kind of enjoyed working in retail. As much as I moaned about it at the time, I made some of the, the best friends I've ever made and people that are still my friends in in Mutt 3000, in 76, um, in loads of people from the HMV days. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is about. That's kind of everything. That's my little... That's what's that? A, a forty-five a minute sp- sp- spoken word set. Is there anything else to tell you about any of these pieces? There was a few I thought along the way I should add something and then forgot. Um, no, not really. <laughs> it's an underwhelming ending, isn't it? Thank you all for tuning in. What can I tell you? Um, so I've, I've not been doing much. I've only got to LA yesterday. Um, and I had a shit Airbnb, so I got there, and it was unacceptable, so I, re- I refused to stay, so I got a new Airbnb, which is where I'm at now, and this new one's lovely, got nothing but love for this one, but I had to get a hotel last night to cover this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. As you're listening, the Dark Summer a range will be out at speechdevelopmentrecords.com you're going to uh, love it it's our summer range of merch but even if you don't want to buy the merch just go and have a look on the website at the, the gallery and um, on my Instagram I'm sure I will have blasted it everywhere we did the best photo sh- shoot ever we broke into an abandoned holiday home um, and we did this whole photo shoot of because I've done male and female swimwear I've done leggings sunglasses vests a whole range of of stuff i'm really proud of and i think looks cool and then we did this shoot and yeah it was madness uh Chaloni wolf um was the photographer and we had vicky kate who's tawny photo online as the behind the scenes photographer and we had a, a megan a biffin or a store astoria I can't think. Um, as the makeup artist, and then in front of camera, oh, we had Chris lurking about being a creep. Um, and then in, in front of camera, we had me. We had Giacomo Marone. We had Tommy Wills. We had J- Jess, M- M- Megan, Tetta Marie, and, Ch- and Chili Ray McCormack. And everyone smashed it. God damn, it was an amazing shoot. And the photos look amazing. So even as said, I, I obviously I implore you to buy to buy the stuff from speechdevelopmentrecords.com. But even if you don't want to do that, just go and have a look at this 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 shoot because I'm so pleased with what we got. Um, yeah, we shot in the abandoned swimming pool. We shot in the abandoned snooker hall. Uh, we did some shots on 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 the beach as well. But yeah, it was a pretty sp- sp- special one, and um, I was very pleased with everyone's efforts. So yeah, that's probably the end of this podcast. Um, it's a little shorter than usual, but it's a bonus one to give a little bit of space for guests. Because um, I don't like leaving you guys without an episode. I am addicted to Adam Buxton's podcast, to numerous podcasts. And when they have weeks or months without putting any out, it breaks my tiny little heart. So I would never do that to you guys you know, distraction pieces may not be the best podcast in the world, but goddamn, are we consistent and here for you a week in, week out? 
So fuck all those other podcasts. It's all about us. Um, oh, I should mention, oh God, Hardcore Listing. It's blown up and gone crazy. By the time this one comes out, I think they will have had over 100,000 downloads, which is insane, but it's really good. In fact, if you haven't heard it yet, I listened on the on the way to America, I listened to the two episodes with Tony Rod, um, who's off of MasterChef, and he chose his top five sweets, as in sweeties, not sweets as in posh dessert, um, and his top five alternative westerns, which is a great topic. So it's westerns post-2000, um, and stuff that he feels is a westernised, the western vibe. It's, they're both really cool episodes. Anyway, those pricks are doing a live hardcore listing on August 10th. It's a week after my birthday. I think they're trying to distract from anything. Because I normally do something on August 3rd, and they've just ignored that and gone, oh, we're doing a live one. It's all right, cool, I guess. I was half thinking of... Oh, no, I wasn't, but <laughs> I might do I, I did a live one on my birthday last year. But, yeah, they're doing a live hardcore listing at the Hoxton Bar and Kitchen, that rhymed, on August 10th. And you can pre-order tickets now it's a small venue and it's beautiful as well this this a setting up almost kind of um speakeasy style with a, a nice spacious tables and chairs kind of scenario i believe so check that out get your tickets go and see them pricks that they're, they're claiming they've got super sp- special guests i mean i will tell you right now that they've not got anyone lined up yet I mean, they've they've got a good chance of getting good people because if I'm about, I might go along Stu's mates with James Buckley, with obviously they had Gail Porter on. That was an amazing episode. They're lining up Brett Goldstein, all sorts of good people. So they might drag, drag previous guests on stage or whatever. But at the moment, that sign is bullshit because they're saying, plus super special guests, they've not confirmed anyone. That's a fucking lie. But they will and it'll be good, so go and check that out. I'm just rambling now because I don't normally put out episodes that are under an hour. (laughs) So I'm just trying to push this over the hour mark. I want to just get to my catchphrase of... we're, We're getting to the hour mark now, so I'll start to wrap things up. But yeah, we are getting up to the hour mark now, so I will wrap things up. Thank you for tuning in, and if you stayed till the end thank you hope you enjoyed it yeah if you want any of the spoken word stuff there's two great spoken word albums on speech development records at home with polar bear and at home with a rob alton so if you enjoyed this and weren't expecting it and have never heard anything like this i recommend getting either of those albums they're fantastic um i've obviously got a live spoken word cd and a live spoken word dvd you can check them out these are all poems from my book poetry in emotion which is a graphic novel of poetry and the reason i did a graphic novel of poetry was i was asked to do a book of poetry and i've never read that many books of poetry so i felt like a fraud doing that but i've read a lot of comics and i felt that was a interesting way of trying to engage people like me who didn't grow up a reading poetry so that was kind of the the plan there anyway all of those are at speechofedamarecords.com please don't rate or subscribe just just don't. I don't want you to. Because, let's face it, I've been doing this podcast for almost three years. I always say, as every fucking podcast does, rate and subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
If you haven't by now, then you're not going to. So just forget it. Review us on. I mean, I don't know, man. I wonder at times if I've bought into the fact that every podcast tells me to rate and review them on iTunes, and I've made myself think I care about if you rate and review us on iTunes. I don't think I do. I don't. I don't think I give a shit if you rate and review us. I think it's. I think I give a shit if you enjoy it. And I like the idea of if you're having a conversation and telling friends. And I guess that's what rating reviewing does. But it's not like I lay awake at night thinking, oh, I wonder if we've got any new reviews and ratings on iTunes. So just just don't. Just chill on it. Just don't rate and review us. Go and rate and review some other podcast that's asking you to rate and, and, and review them. Fill your boots, mate. It's gone weird, isn't it? All right. I'm going to go, I'm, 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 I'm going to go and have a Wendy's burger because I've not had one yet. And Wendy's are my favourite burgers in the world. Um, I I am near In-N-Out. I like In-N-Out. I think In-N-Out's good. The last time I was over, I had my first Shake Shack burger. That was cracking, actually. Fair play. Um, but still, my favourite is Wendy's. So I'm going to go and have a Wendy's and I'm going to come back and transfer this podcast over to Buddy Peace. So that's my plan. You've been listening to Scrooge Pits, the Scratch Um, see you later. Bye bye. Oh, actually, after the Wendy's, I might go and have a pink berry. So, uh, yeah. Now you've you're fully filled in. Um, have fun. Bye. <laughs>